Hi there. Welcome to the Jewelry Navigator podcast, an on-the-go source of original and unique jewelry with stories of the designers who create it. My name is Brenna Pakes. I'm a graduate gemologist with a degree in geology. I've worked in the retail sector for over 15 years. After completing my graduate gemology diploma and working in the industry for a little while, I took an intermittent career break and worked for a major airline. That's why I combine the theme of aviation and the concept of navigating shoppers to choices of unique jewelry, as well as understanding gem selection and jewelry construction, as well as metal choices. I do a coordinating blog post for every podcast showing photos of the jewelry that we're talking about, as well as links to the jewelers and more information about them. So I hope you enjoy the episodes and feel free to subscribe for your Jewelry Navigator Passport, a way to stay up to date with the current episodes and upcoming features. Thanks so much for joining us and enjoy the episode. Hi there and welcome back to the Jewelry Navigator podcast. I'm so happy to be back and I took a little bit of time off around the holidays. I hope you didn't miss me too much, but there are 28 other episodes that you can go back and listen to as well. But today I'm really excited to be sharing a topic with you that might be perfect timing, especially right after the holidays with jewelry gifts that you may have received. And that's about jewelry appraisals. It gets confusing and you need to know a little bit of information to help you steer in the right direction so you make sure that your jewelry is insured properly at the right amounts and by a qualified appraiser. Here's a little sneak peek from our podcast today. Well, that, that's the nice thing about the insurance companies. You know, they have to, like I said, they have to make you whole again, which means they have to replace it with like kind. So, um, you know, that's their job. That's what they have to, and they can't, and the, the, the I guess the more detailed that the appraisal is, the less and I'll have to say this the right way, the less wiggle room anybody has to not replace it with a like kind. I'm so excited to share my visit with today's guest, Fred Van Doren, graduate gemologist and certified jewelry appraiser, whom you just heard a little snippet from our interview today. His story starts in a chemistry lab, and while he still uses a microscope on a regular basis, he has solid experience in jewelry appraisal, as well as a long history within the retail sector of the industry, from a corporate perspective to his own privately owned store. Thanks so much for joining me today, and I wanted to thank my new followers on Podbeam, PBG54F42CT, Donna Barry 79 and DORZXQ. I'm sure you know who you are. I thank you so much for listening to me on Podbean. You can also find Jewelry Navigator Podcast on iTunes as well as on Google Play Music. Thanks so much for tuning in and I'll talk to you on the other side. Give us a little story about, did you know um, that you wanted to get into jewelry? When, when did you realize that you wanted to have a uh, career in jewelry? <laughs> no, I I actually didn't know that. Um, so I was in uh, at my uh, college, and uh, my uh, thing was in chemistry. And so I got done, and I was working in cancer research. 
And I remember the exact moment it hit. I, I, can, I can actually tell you I remember this moment. I'm sitting there at the bench and I'm doing some type of titration or something, I forget. And I'm like, all I do is work with machines every day. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, I forget how old I was, I was young. And I'm like, thinking to myself, this is not going to be the job for me. I just spent all these four years. <laughs> this is not going to be the job for me. <laughs> and, and, and I had been working uh, part-time in the jewelry business earning money, you know, that, during college and earn money. So I was working part-time in the jewelry business. And I really enjoyed it. And I was, you know, I was making good money at it. You know, back then we had you know, a lot of commission sales, and I was doing good at it. And I was making a good income. So, you know, um, I decided to go back. Uh, I did some uh, night classes for accounting and management, and then I, I, I then I went fully into the business. So that that's when I made the decision to, you know, become to go into the jewelry business. Yep. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then um, you really got a little bit deeper into it after you um, got your certified gemology appraisal credentials. Well. Yeah, that came out later. I'd already had several stores open at that point, and I had hired appraisers who were working for me, good appraisers, very good appraisers. They're all, they were all good. And so, but I really, and then at that point, I, I really started enjoying the gemology part more, and then I, and then I decided to get my GG um, with the express purposes of, of, you know, doing appraisals. Now, that was just for my business. Okay, mm -hmm. but then when I started uh, doing my business, I'm like, oh, you know, I really like doing this. I might want to do this more in other places. So that's how my wholesale business started, you know, expanding for other jewelry stores and insurance. You know, I used to go, it, it would be normal for me to go to an insurance company and sit in their offices and do appraisals for their clients. I still do it if, if they have enough clients, but, you know, they, they, don't, they don't really put the effort into a lot of them. I still have some insurance agencies that, you know, I'll go to their office, but not very often. They usually send me people, so, you know, because the clients have one or two pieces or whatever, so it's not worth it, you know, to go out there for that. Okay. But, so yeah. explain to everybody that what you did or what, what you did in tandem together with the appraisals. You, you've you opened... Well, you can't really just, yeah, you can't really just do, you can't really just be a GG. It I mean, yeah, there are appraisers that are just GGs, but the problem is is that you don't really understand the mechanisms for appraisal theory that you need. You you have to go to school for that and get a certificate. And even though it's, it, it, you still might do the appraisal the same way, at least you know the legal framework in which it happens and how, why it's only a snapshot in time under certain conditions. That's what an appraisal is. <clears throat> So, you know, um, you really need something else so you understand appraisal theory and how to get there. And, you know, it, it, there's so many different values you can put on something and different markets to research. So, you know, it's, it's helpful in that way. And it stops you, obviously, from having any lawsuits or things like that. People that are just GGs and they take a number out of their head that they think it should sell for, well, okay, I guess that's good, but you really need something to back it up with. It just can't come out of your head because you felt like putting it on there. And I had, I had actually one in, in your the store the other day on uh, Saturday, um, <clears throat> and um, the, the, it was evident from the previous appraisals that were from 15 years ago that were, you know, 50% higher than what I was doing today or yeah. yesterday. 
Uh, yeah, that the, the the person, and I looked for the credentials, they weren't there. So, um, you know, yeah, they're a gemologist or whatever, but, you know, they just took a number out of their head. They felt that that's what it would be. And back then, and uh, to be totally fair, that's how they did it. You know, that's what it was. But once we started, after the savings and loan um, problem in the 80s, the government required um, that appraisers be trained. That, that they can't just pick numbers out of their head, to, you know, because that's what happened during the savings and loan problem, you know, okay. that, that whole thing fell apart. The whole banking system fell apart then because of that problem with appraisers. Unfortunately, they didn't learn their lesson because, you know, the last problem we had here 10 years ago was kind of based on the same thing. The appraisal amounts kept going up and up and up on the values of the homes when they didn't actually reflect that. Now, the appraisers at that time got out of that problem because they said, oh, no, the home right next door, which is similar comp, sold for that. Well, they didn't take the historical, you know, things don't go up by 100% in three months, right? So uh, normally. And, you know, it's a historical perspective that you have to look at too. So, you know, that that's, that's why that went on. So, I, you know. Uh, appraising is different than gemology, and you really need both both parts in order to do the appraisal. And it doesn't mean that somebody has a gemology degree can't do an appraisal. They certainly can, but you know you have to be aware of you know what's going on in the marketplace. So right, and when people think of appraisals, what what I find they don't understand is that the the value amount that's going to be at the bottom of the appraisal is not going to be the purchase amount, what they paid for it. Sure, yeah, and I've had that problem, and there's, I've done, I'm not going to name the chain stores I've done, but I've done several chain stores, and they stopped doing appraisals for that reason. Oh. Did they stop? Uh-huh, yeah. So I would write the appraisal, and it would be more than what the person, or less than what the person paid, and we ran into a problem. So, uh, you know, uh, and I'm using marketplace data in order to produce that appraisal. It's not some something out there that I just came up with a number and threw it on there. No, I have marketplace data in order to prove that number. I have to be able to do that to go into a court of law. You can't write an appraisal uh, without thinking about the liabilities involved in that, and it's terrible, but that's the way we are. You have to be able to prove your numbers. And um, mm -hmm. so every appraisal I do, I have... It might not look like it when I'm doing it, but that calculation is going into my head. So, um, you know, that that's where it's at. So, yeah, so they, they get upset, of course, um, and I can't tell you it's happened you know, sometimes that this happens. So it depends. Mm -hmm. You just, uh, a lot of times you, as an appraiser, you might adjust uh, the markup, if you will, uh, for the, the marketplace that you're in. So, for instance, if I was doing a appraisal in a store somewhere, I don't know, Fairfax or wherever, but then I went to Tiffany's and I was doing appraisal, I might have a different amount because I have to be aware of the marketplace in which I'm doing the appraisal. Mm -hmm. You say? Say you were doing an appraisal for someone and they lived in New York City, but you were doing uh -huh. it here in yeah. Virginia. Would you account for that? Yes, I would, I would. Yeah, I would. Yeah, I would. I would, I would do the research of what uh, something sells like that in New York City for. That's how okay. I would do that. Oh, that's so yeah. interesting. I don't know that I would have ever thought of that, but it, it makes complete sense. 
Well, honestly, I, I'm I, to tell you the truth, I'm surprised that an insurance company up in New York City would even you know do that. I would think that they would send. I would hope that they would send it to a local appraiser that's you know that knows that market very well. Do you see what I'm saying? It would be better for the client if that happened. I mean, right. it sounds silly, but you know, it'd just be better all the way around. You know, if they had somebody up there that, and then I'm sure there's plenty of, you know, obviously a million qualified appraisers up there that could do the appraisal, and, mm-hmm. and they're aware of market data in that area. So, right. You know, I've had people call me from across the country to do appraisal, and you know, a lot of times I just don't do it. I I go and look for them and find them an appraiser that's local for that reason. Ah, oh, okay, all right. Yeah. So one misconception people have, and this kind of comes back to what we were just talking to, that they think they can just use a credit card receipt as a temporary appraisal or even as part of just, you know, an appraisal. Mm -hmm. How, how, How do you address that? Well, that's not correct. You know, uh, it doesn't have, first off, it's not an independent appraisal. It's whoever sold it. Um, a sales appraisal is, as we just discussed, much different than an appraisal appraisal. A sales appraisal is based on what was, what was sold for, what the, what the retailer envisioned it should sell for. It wasn't what the actual value is you know, what the marketplace will bear. So, you know, I mean, it could be close, and I hope it is, but, you know, you know, they used to be in the good old days, and I think you probably know this, that the jeweler would sell it for one price, but then write the appraisal for whatever he felt that it should sell for, <laughs> you, know, what it, you know, the upper price. And so that's how these appraisals got written way back when. Well, now people have gotten sued, and they can't do that. You know, it's, it's not a, the courts have proven that it's, it's not actual appraisal. It's just some idea about what it should be. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, the, so the insurance com- so the insurance companies, uh, who is, that's who we're talking about, they have to, um, you know, they have to uh, uh, mitigate their liabilities and what, what's going to happen there. So they just can't take some pie-in-the-sky number, and they need to have an independent, uh, pr- you know, appraisal. So Right. Insurance replacement appraisal is probably the more common what people have done so that they can put their their jewelry on their insurance rider in case something happens. And then what right. are the other kinds of appraisals that people... Oh, gosh, there's a, there's a million of them. Um, like liquidation value. Uh, I don't like to write liquidation values, uh, honestly. Uh, you know, everybody's got their thing, and, you know, I don't like to write them because they're so variable. I mean, it depends. It, it, like, for instance, liquidation value. Let's say we're just talking about liquidation value. Well, there's a lot of different ways to liquidate something, and all of them have a different value. If you take it to a pawn shop and you're getting cash, that's one value. If you put it in a store and you put it on consignment, that's another value. If you sell it on eBay or Craigslist, that's another value. And each one of those needs to be researched. And honestly, they're they're very fluctuable. You know, they fluctuate greatly. So, um, you know, a lot of times it's just what the market will bear. Put it on, you know, get a basic idea and put it on eBay or wherever to sell it. See what happens. I mean, that's the way I look at it. But, you know, so that that's one of them. And then you got estate appraisals, um, you know, or auction value, let's say. But then you have estate appraisals, which are like auction value and um, that type of thing. Uh, mm-hmm. And so, you know, that's a different type of appraisal. Um uh, for you know the tax liability issues, obviously, uh, is what why people you know get estate appraisals. They want to know you know what's going to happen tax wise. Although in a lot of places it doesn't matter, but um, uh, 
it's under a certain value, you know. Um, so that, that's it. But there's a lot of different levels, you know. There's different things that people want to appraisal for. They might want it. We had one uh, in Fredericksburg once that was for, ta for a tax write-off. They were donating it to the jewelry to, um, I forget, might have been like one of the animal rescue places or whatever. Mm -hmm. And, of course, the person wants the value high so they can take a tax write-off and, you know the the agency that's getting getting the jewelry. They might want a different number. So it's that, those are very tricky. You got to be real careful with something like that because you don't. You know, you obviously got to back it up with data. So the sales appraisal. That's basically when someone walks out of the store. That's what the item was sold for. So. Mm -hmm. Right. Yep. So what should be included on some on an appraisal? Well, you know, there's a lot of discussion about that. If you go with the different appraisal outfits, that uh, certificate, you know, you get your certificate through, they have different ideas, uh, and it changes. Um, of course, you've got to have the date and time, you know, when it was done, because it's a specific time period. It changes every day, obviously, right, because gold prices are going up or platinum, mm -hmm. whatever the price is. So labor changes. So, um, you know, uh, that has to be on there. How the um, what markets were explored in order to do the appraisal. So, for instance, uh, if you've ever looked at my appraisals, you see I have different forms that uh, illuminate which what markets I explored in order to get this appraisal. So, mm -hmm. states are different than, let's say, insurance replacement costs. Just just to give you an idea. And so that's that's in there. You should have your professional credentials in there so people you know who know who you are, and it's, you know, it's not to glorify you, but to make sure people understand that, you know, you've got some background, this is how you do it, you know, how it's done. Um, I know that used to be that we would put on there which equipment was used. I think my appraisal still has it in it, but it's not really needed. But the, the most important thing is the limiting conditions, you know. Um, you're under a huge, as an appraiser, you're under a huge amount of limiting conditions of how the appraisal was, you know, how you could conduct the appraisal and the contingent conditions, and, and, and that has to be listed in there. You know, uh, the, the gemstones were graded in the mounting. They could be different if they're outside the mounting. The weights can be different. I mean, there's a whole, we could test the gold in one place, and it might be, if it was plated or something, let's say it's like that, and it might test as 14 carat, but if we really dig down deep, and I mean, you know, we really get into the metal, we, we might find out it's not real. So, mm -hmm. and you might miss that, but, you know, and it's it, you have to protect yourself as an appraiser to make sure that you're and and tell people you know we're doing this, this uh, we're doing the under a lot of conditions the lighting conditions aren't right you know here or they're not great uh, you know whatever it is it's true uh, the weights can be off because we're using a formula and they're they're variable you know gemstones are notoriously variable colored gemstones so. Um, and you have to add in for you know all kinds of things, and it's more sub, you know subjective kind of thing to make a decision on the on what it is. So, right. like for instance, I had um, a piece with uh, like 200 diamonds in it the other day. Well, I'm not going to sit there and measure every single diamond now, mm -hmm. and I'm not going to sit there and grade every single little diamond for color and clarity. I'm going to take an average. And so it says in my appraisal, I don't know if other appraisers do it, I assume they do, all, all small diamonds, melee or whatever, are average for their uh, weight, for their color, and their clarity. It mm -hmm. just, that eliminates a lot of issues. If you ever go to court, yes, we averaged them. There were 200 of them. We weren't going to count every one. We weren't going to measure every one right. and grade every one. 
<laughs> you see, uh, it's just you know you could, but the appraisal would be a thousand dollars for a you know a five hundred dollar cluster ring. So um, you know, it, so there's a lot of limiting conditions uh, that have to be make sure that we take into effect. And you'll see it on my appraisal. I have several of them on there, and you know from time to time I might even change and add to them or whatever, just so people know. And it, it, you know, they I think they instinct they know that it, it you know that's going on. I mean, but sometimes you have to remark to them that well we're estimating this. You know that's why I always ask for the diamond certificates. Um, I might not agree with the diamond certificate, and, I, and if it's really off, I won't do the appraisal, or I'll, I'll put on there. This was based on the diamond certificate. I think we talked about this one time. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but the the reason why we want the diamond certificate is it was uh, weighed outside the mounting and graded outside the mounting in perfect conditions. So the odds are better when it's done like that than when it's in the mounting and under the lighting conditions that when we're in a store that it's under. So, um, you know, that's why it's important sometimes to list the equipment so people know I, I, between uh, using a loop or using a microscope is, is very much different. So, um, you know, you have to really be trained in a loop to use it properly to grade a diamond, honestly, to, to do an appraisal so or a ring, for instance, whatever the stone is. When people ask to have a loose gemstone appraised, yeah. what's, what's the um, criteria or the, the procedure for that kind of thing? Well, it's my understanding, and I don't think the insurance companies actually insure loose gemstones. So, you know, 99% of what we get are insurance companies. Now, I may be wrong. They may do that now. Um, that's just my understanding. And so I tell the client, you might be wasting your money. You know, now if it's you like, let's say you're buying, let's say it's a diamond and you're buying a loose gemstone from uh, an internet dealer. Well, okay, then, you know, you, what you're trying to find out is is the quality what I paid for. You know, whatever it might not be the value, but the quality. Did I buy? Did I buy a G color diamonds and SI clarity? You know, that kind of thing. So uh, that's different. But people that come in, we had somebody that came in with two gemstones and they were loose gemstones and they were. And the clients were real nice, and, you know, it's hard to tell people, you know, that what they have is not the top quality, obviously, but they, they these two gentlemen had mined the gemstones themselves. So, you know, they went and got the gemstones, and then they sent them out to have them cut. And so, you know, you, you want to, you know, that you're not, you want to be diplomatic, obviously. Well, you know, I, that's why I said to them, obviously, the value is, you know, what you put into it. You had fun digging these up and having them cut and going through the whole process. And so, yes, by all means, have them faceted, have them set in something not expensive, you know. And I said, but to do an appraisal on them would not, you know, wouldn't really be in your best interest, you know, because why pay that kind of money for something that has such a low value? So, you know, you got to, it comes with experience. You don't tell them, you know, whatever. You just say, well, you know, that's what it is. So um, generally speaking, though, we don't get a lot of unmounted things. Um, mm-hmm. And right. um, you know, it's probably good that we don't. I mean, although it would it'd be easier to appraise it usually because you can see it on all sides and weigh it and whatever. Oh, well, that was a good answer because that was part of the value of was the fun that they had finding it and sure. whether or not that they were, you know, really high quality stones, it doesn't really matter. The the important right. part I, was that they had a good time doing it. And that's what I tell uh, people who try to put a value on their sentimental value. I'm like, well, how, how can you put a value on sentiment? I just ask them, how, 
it has high levels of value to you because of the sentiment of the piece. And you should focus on that and not some number I'm going to put on it. <laughs> <laughs> right. 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 So, exactly. I mean, you know, if it has value to you, then by all means enjoy it. Don't worry about, you know, whatever we have to do with it. I mean, if it, I mean, obviously if it has value, we have to insure it. You want to insure it, sure. But if it's not that, then just enjoy it. I mean, costume jewelry can be a lot of fun, obviously, right? And it doesn't have to have oh, a yeah. high value. But there might have been great grandmas, and she wore it all the time, and you remember her wearing it, and you just love it. So wear it. Enjoy it. It's right. like when you go on a when you go on a trip somewhere, I never, I would never spend a lot of money on a piece of jewelry outside the country because I don't know what's going on. Mm. But, uh, I mean, you know, you have whatever this thing is that you bought. It has a lot of value because you bought it there and it's a remembrance of that place. I wouldn't put a lot of money into something like that. A lot of people do, but I wouldn't. So just because of all the, you know, silliness that goes on out there. So just mm-hmm. enjoy whatever at for its value and not for the value that an appraiser is going to put on. Exactly. Yeah. So for the designer pieces, do you have to account for value added into an appraisal for that kind of jewelry? Yeah, that, and that's my greatest worry because I might, and honestly, you know, we do have worries as appraisers. We might miss that it's a designer piece. The inscription, oh. you can't remember, you can't memorize, you know, 100,000 different pieces of jewelry out there in the marketplace. Um, um, so uh, by designer, and so the inscription might have been removed from for sizing purposes or whatever from the ring, and mm-hmm. so at that point, then you have to look very carefully at it. And you know, there's a lot of indications that that it's a designer piece. How it's you know, a lot of the designer pieces are finished better inside. You can look and see that. And you say, oh, okay, wait a minute, something's going on here. This is like they polished inside the, the you know the gallery or whatever it was and it's it's not rough it's been well done and so and how it's set you know you know you get you start to get indications that it's a better piece of jewelry um and if you don't recognize the designer and and honestly there are times where uh I've missed it and you know a client has said oh wait a minute that's a blah 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 piece and I paid blah, blah, blah for it. And so, you know, I have to go back and redo the appraisal. I mean, it's just the fact of life um, mm. that you might miss some. And so that's why, and you you got to say to the client, you know what, you're right, we missed that. And we're going to change this value because the marketplace says it should sell for this. Mm-hmm. And so that, it's like uh, Chrono Light Diamonds, you know, they're, they, they're, they only, people that sell them, sell them. And you're not, you know, that's the price. That's what it is. Mm-hmm. So you're paying for that that name, of course, in any product. So and you can jazz up the product by however you want. You know, you can sell it at the selling the selling level and the appraising level are two different things. So you know, the sellers of the products will say, well, they're this, that, whatever. The reason why they command a higher price is because this, that, or whatever. Okay, that's fine, and and that's what the marketplace sells it for. That's the people that sell it. That's you know, you like Tiffany's, you you. You buy a Tiffany's piece because it has the name on it and it has the design to it, right? So um, they're going to get that price. Uh, you're not going to, you, for instance, you're not going to research a Tiffany's piece of jewelry on eBay for retail purposes. You're going to go to Tiffany's and find out what they sell it for, right? And so right. that's that's and that's what the market bears. That's what it is. And mm-hmm. and for the person to replace it, which is what you're trying to do, to you're trying to make somebody whole when you're doing an insurance appraisal, again, they're going to have to go to Tiffany's to get that item. So, uh, mm-hmm. or, or 
you know, whoever's replacing it, you know, maybe the jewelry store, or not the jewelry store, but maybe the insurance company has some kind of deal with Tiffany's. They buy it for less or whatever, you know, so, uh, and so and give it, get it to you, replace it. For someone who is looking to sell an item of jewelry, is yeah. getting an appraisal, is that a good way to go about it so they have an idea to... They they could. A lot uh-huh. of times they already they have an idea. Yeah, this is a good question. I get that all the time. Uh, a lot of times they have an idea about what the quality is. They might have had the diamond certificate or they might have had a previous appraisal. And what I would do if it was me now, it's just me now, I would, if I had that document and uh, I knew it was such and such, I'd go and look and see myself. I would do the research to see what it sells for, Craigslist, eBay, wherever you're, wherever you're looking, you know, auction sites online, and see what they're selling them for. Now, those are not, a lot of times aren't realized prices, you know, they're, they're asking prices. So you got to adjust your, you know, your idea of what you're going to get for it. As a, an informed seller, not an informed buyer, but as an informed seller, you want to go and see what they're going for in the used marketplace, and then you would sell it that way. Uh, you, you maybe your best bet is selling it to a family member or somebody you know at work. You know, put an ad up. Uh, uh, you have a communal board. Hey, I'm selling this diamond. This is Mary such and such, and I got this diamond ring I want to sell, and you know that's what I want for it. You know, I, I can't let go. Out of clients come and say, oh, I sold it to a family member. Oh, okay, mm-hmm. good. You know, so that well, that's works. a good advice. I I I don't know if people consider doing that, but that's that's a really good idea. So they don't have to, you know, go to the trouble of um, I don't know showing up someplace to show a complete stranger something or yeah. wonder whether yeah. or not yeah. Then that way they can negotiate the price a little bit easier. Right. Yeah, so, you know, like I said, if it's somebody who knows you and, you know, you're you're not a hinky person, you're, you're not a trustworthy person, the odds are you're going to be able to sell whatever in a quick period of time, you know, because uh, people know you and would rather deal with you than anybody else. And they might say, oh, I'd like to, I've had many times people come into the business with the person that's buying it and they want an appraisal done. And I'm like that, that's very smart. Come in together. I'll do the appraisal. I'm an independent. I'll give you the value right then. Here it is. And, you know, you got, and then you can make a decision, the buyer and seller, whatever. They're all set. Well, that's, so. Yeah, that's a really good idea. Is there anything else that people should know about appraisals that um, you think would be important to share? Yeah, I, I think the, the most important thing is, in, in, uh, is that an appraisal is under very specific conditions in a very specific time period, and that that changes all the time. And so, you know, what it is one day is not going to be what it is a year or two from now. It can change mm-hmm. drastically depending on what those conditions are. And, you know, people think it's just this, they get an appraisal from 15 years ago and think that's still that. Well, that, no. Is your house still that? No. <laughs> is the car you bought 15 years still that? No. You know, it's a snap, it's a snapshot in time and, you know, with very, under very limited conditions, you know, a set of conditions, temporary conditions that, that change. And that's, that's what I would say about the appraisal business. Okay. So with that, how often should people get their, um, they're more valuable pieces reappraised. Well, that's a good point. You know, they say every three years. I, you know, I, for me, I don't need to redo the appraisal. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I think it, if you're using the same appraiser, you know, 
Um, a lot of times, uh, the ones I know, we'll just check it real quick, you know, to see if it's, you know, they're not going to write a new appraisal if they don't have to for you. They don't want to charge you again. They're not going to go through that. So it doesn't hurt to come in if you've used the same appraiser. You can get in touch with them, um, you know, and say, oh, you appraised this in, you know, three or five years ago. Um, would you be willing to check it to see, you know, if it's changed or not? And, mm -hmm. you know, the most, I think most reputable and say, let me just look real quick and like I would do. And, oh, no, it doesn't need to be changed. Oh, oh yeah, the gold prices went up by, you know, $1,000 per ounce or platinum or whatever it is, <laughs> uh, you know, or whatever whatever the thing is. And um, it's changed drastically. We need to change it. And so there's going to be, you know, we're going to change it and there's going to be a fee for the appraisal. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. So a three, three, five years check, you know, just check. Okay. Doesn't, doesn't take too much. Yeah. Okay. Um, what are some of the credentials that someone should look for in um, in an appraiser? Well, uh, of course, you have to have your gemology degree, so that's the number one. Um, mm -hmm. uh, either GG or FGA, either one of those are good. Um, FGA is really interesting because it's really more into the you know crystal structure and other things. A lot, it's a lot more involved than the GG would be, but it's, it takes a lot more time. So, but that's that's a good one. Um, and then, then certificating agencies. You know, you have the NAJA, you have the ASA, you have the ISA. You have all of those. Um, some certificating agencies. You know, I'm not going to even mention them because I don't want to get sued, but they're pretty much a three-day course, and they give you a certificate. It's like a diploma mill. And um, so I would not suggest those except for, um, you know, you might want to take it just for just to add to your knowledge base. Um, the uh, Master Valuer program, if you can still find it, is, was pretty good. I mean, that's not a bad program. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, all, all of those are, are, are good ones. Um, anybody that took some time, you know, they, they have to have that you could even go and look at, if you're really concerned, you can see what the appraiser needs to do to keep his credentials. And usually it's, you know, 50 hours of continuing education or whatever. So, you know, the appraiser is uh, keeping up to date on what he's, you know, what's been, it's like a doctor. You, you might want to go see what your doctor has done, you know, he'll, if he's smart, he'll keep that up to date and you can check to see what kind of, information he's getting now and learning about so that he doesn't become, you know, stale in the, in the you know, doctoring marketplace, for instance, <laughs> you know, make sure that they're up to date on what they're, you know, what they're doing. Okay. All right. Well, thanks so much, Fred, for taking time. Oh, with you're us welcome. Today. Sure, yeah. It's it's pretty boring. Honestly, it's a pretty boring subject. The gemology part isn't boring, but uh, you know, the I guess the, the the appraisal theory is is pretty boring. So you know, we don't you don't have to go into all of that, but you know, the rest of it is actually very interesting. Yeah, it is, but it's so important, and it, it allows us to enjoy our jewelry and make sure that it. Um, and we can't. We may not be able to keep it safe, but we can. We can certainly replace it if something happens, and to have the right value placed on it, and have it done by someone that we can trust, who's doing it the right way, and right. Um, get the money we need to replace it. That's the most important thing. Well, that that's the nice thing about the insurance companies. You know, they have to, like I said, they have to make you whole again, which means they have to replace it with like kind. So. Um, you know that's their job. That's what they have to, and they can't. And the 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 I guess the more detailed that the appraisal is, the less you know. I have to say this the right way. The less wiggle room anybody has to not replace it with a like kind. So mm -hmm. you know, I see some appraisals that are so involved 
with uh, extraneous data that doesn't need to be on there. It had in no way affects the value. There's no reason to put it on there. So I don't get into all that. I give them the information they need in order to replace it with like kind, and that's that's what mm. we're interested in. Mm-hmm. You know, I I not you know I'm not saying anybody else is doing something wrong or whatever, but it's just you know you don't need to do all that to to get the thing replaced with like kind. Yeah, that's the nice thing about the new computer program. You know, the new CAD programs. I can't tell you how many times now I've taken a picture that the client has given me and created a three-dimensional model from the picture. So now mm-hmm. it used to be in the appraisal business we had to describe you know the thickness of the shank and the type of this and that and whatever because we didn't have that. But as technology has increased and how now we can take that actual picture from the document we've given you, and that's why it's good to have a good camera. I got 18 or 20 megapixel actually. The, the the better it is, and I keep all the better the pictures on file so a client never needs it. I have it, but the better the picture is, the more they can just create it from the picture. Once you know the dimensions, and that's why it's always important when you have the carat weight of a stone, a diamond, or colored stone, you put the dimensions on there because from those dimensions, the computer program, once it's entered, can create the model exactly. You get an exact exact duplicate of that item, whatever it was in the picture, from the new CAD programs. Okay. So now we don't go through we don't go through the process of describing all that because the CAD program is going to re, you know you can replace it exactly. Yeah. So yeah. I I tell clients I tell clients I've told them this a lot of times I'm starting to tell them more just take a picture of it yourself and keep it on in the cloud you know in a file somewhere of of your jewelry just take a picture of it you know top and bottom a good picture and you know anybody will be able to create it after that. So, mm-hmm. you know, I'm starting to say that to them so that they, they do it too. Right. That's a really good idea. And that's a, I think that's good advice for anybody kind of in a pinch in between appraisals yeah. so that they have, yeah. um, you know, a full visual catalog of all the jewelry that they do have. Well, I just saw somebody said that for the hurricane. Take a, Go through your house, open up the drawers, and take pictures of everything in your house. You don't have to be real exact, but this this suffices with the insurance company that you actually owned it on that date and you had this item. I mean, oh. what, how, what a great idea that was. I was like, oh, that's exactly what I'm doing with people telling them about taking their pictures there. Take pictures of everything in your house. You should do an inventory every so often. Just go through and take pictures of things. How hard is it to keep some pictures in the cloud? Really, right? right. Right. Exactly. So, and you are, and you already, and if you have a fire, something happens, you, the majority of your things will be covered. You can prove to the insurance company, oh, I had it on this date. Here it is, and uh, I'd like, and I want it replaced with like kind. It's simple. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Good. Well, thanks again for taking time with me. You're welcome. You're yeah. welcome. Anytime. Anytime you want me back, give me a call. I'll let you know, and we'll talk about whatever other jewelry things we can do. <laughs> okay. Good. <laughs> okay. It's- All right, Fred. Thanks a lot. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye. I hope you go away from today's podcast with some more solid information on what a jewelry appraisal is and who is qualified to do one for you. If you want more information, please feel free to reach out to me. You can find me on Instagram at Jewelry Navigator. You can also just let me know and I can connect you with Fred Van Doren or look on ASA. That's American Society of Appraisers for a list of appraisers in your area. That's a really good resource. So if you need to find a qualified appraiser, just like we were talking about, you'd be able to find one through that resource. 
Thanks so much for joining me, but before we go, I have some exciting news to share with you. If you've been following me on Instagram, as well as listening to the podcasts with a lot of the jewelers that I've featured and designers, you can now find them on Jewelry Navigator shop on my website, jewelrynavigator.com. I'm so excited to be working with them. I admire each and every one of them, and they include Allison Nagasui, Crass Jewelry, Emily Kuvin Jewelry Design, Hanya Kuzbari Jewelry, Minton, Nayla Shami Jewelry Designs, Paul Michael Jewelry, and Wade and Willow Handforged Jewelry. Each and every one of these designers makes beautiful jewelry. I've seen most of them in person, and I only want to bring high quality jewelry that's unique and well-made so that you have that selection to choose from. Hey, thanks so much for joining me today. I really appreciate you listening and I can't wait to share with you the upcoming stories of jewelers, gemstones, and jewelry. There's one, actually I'm all, I'm excited about them all, but there's one I'm particularly excited about and I will start posting hints on Instagram as to who it's going to be. So until next time, cross-check those jewelry appraisals. Talk to you next time. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye.